0: Welcome everybody back to another episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm Jordan Hill. Got a special guest this week, Dylan Sanders of Go247. We're getting ready for the big game in Atlanta on Saturday. Georgia taking on LSU for the 2022 SEC Championship. Uh, Dylan, how is this week treating you uh, as we get closer and closer uh, to this big game in Atlanta?
1: I mean, it's it's good. Uh, we talked to the players yesterday for the last time. And uh, it, it, I'm also a student at LSU, so it's also finals week. So it's, uh, it is just an amal- amalgamation of a lot of things happening at once. <laughs>
0: I do not envy you there. And hey, good luck on finals for sure. Well, Dylan, yeah, I want to get in and talk a little bit about LSU. Uh, we'll talk specifically about the matchup in a little bit. But I want to start with this season. Brian Kelly comes in. You know, a really big splash hire for LSU. They go nine and three in this first regular season. Uh, what's your read on the LSU program in year one? Uh, maybe the biggest changes you've seen with Brian Kelly and and what they've been able to accomplish so far.
1: Yeah, well, going into the year, we all thought. I mean, I thought I was being optimistic I and mean, be like, oh, seven and five. If it's seven and five. Be good. But now we're at a, now we ended up at a point where nine and three was a disappointment because of who you lost that third game to. Um, but overall, I think it, I think year one of the Brian Kelly era went far better than anybody possibly could could have expected um, not only on the field. That's awesome. Obviously you want to win games, but setting up for the future, the the whole building, the whole vibe around the bu- building is better and more professional than it's ever been. Uh, Media has been given more access than ever. Um, Cause we used to get like maybe five minutes of a practice uh, once every couple weeks, but you know, we got a couple full practices this year and stuff like that. So just the, the, the vibe around it's been better. Um, he is been pretty open um, with media. So that's good. And then everything throughout the week is just so meticulous. Him and his staff have everything down to a science. And one of the biggest differences I've noticed so far is the, uh, is the injury is the, is the medical staff they the soft, they, they they mentioned something, soft tissue injuries from last year to this year, we're down 94%. <laughs> so it's like it's like stuff like that, where they're actually putting in an effort to build an actual program is awesome. And then of course, the biggest surprise to me and I think to a lot of people is how well his staff has recruited, not only the state, but all around. Um, so it's really been just so much better than anybody anticipated in year one.
0: I'd say from the outside looking in that, that definitely is the case. I think a lot of people had questions about how things would go and especially coming off that Florida State loss, you know, everybody sort of drew their conclusions in week one and credit to those guys for how they've played and, and to be at this point. Um so yeah, Dylan wanna talk a little bit about a few different positions and I think I'd be remiss not to start with quarterback Jaden Daniels. We've seen the plays he's had, but a lot of questions about him going into this game. What's the latest you guys have heard just as far as his injury status and maybe what we could
1: expect uh, when it comes to Saturday. So he was wearing a walking boot earlier this week, but, um, the, the talk was that he is going to play. It was more precautionary than anything. And that has been the case. They've had players in walking boots spotted this season and they were just precautionary, um, just to keep anything further from happening. Um, I don't think he'll be at 100%, but I would be shocked if he didn't play, I think is pretty much the, the consensus is like, okay, if he doesn't play, yeah, it, it would be a big news, I think.
0: And what has he brought to this offense? What do you feel like his strengths have
1: been this season and maybe areas that he can still improve? Well, I think his biggest strength is pretty obvious. He is incredibly fast. Um, he is faster than... I can promise you and he's faster than any quarterback Georgia has faced in the past two years. Um, Not yeah, it's, it's different. It's different. You like think, Oh yeah. Scrambler watching him play. And in person, he is a different level of fast. He just has, and it's just instant zero to 60 speed. He gets there. He gets there fast. So that is obviously, I think his biggest contribution, he also has a better arm than people give them credit for um, I would say where they, there are two things that really need to improve and why I think that uh, Georgia really ultimately the defense has the advantage the uh, the middle of the field has not has not been good for LSU at all. This you're throwing to the middle of the field, but also correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like these teams whenever they you know scare Georgia, uh, it's because of big plays. Like they they're able Georgia's susceptible, susceptible to a big play every now and then, and that has been something that LSU has been very poor at is is generating those big plays. And it's not impossible. Like I say, he has a big arm, but that's just not where they've been. So I think Georgia will have to prepare for it. Like it, it can happen. It has happened. It's just been few and far between this season. I think it's a great point because, yeah, when Georgia has
0: gotten itself sort of backed against the wall defensively, it's been because of big plays. I mean, you go back to the Missouri game, which was certainly the closest Georgia came to losing this year. I mean, it's a, about a 52-yard run that goes all the way to the goal line. And, you know, Malachi Starks makes a tackle that, uh, honestly, you could say maybe saves the undefeated season because they wind up forcing a field goal instead of a touchdown. But, yeah, that'll be something to watch because it does seem like when Georgia has, you know, had those issues. Again, this is a defense that I think is given up only like 11 points per game. They're leading the next Yeah, game. they're very good. <laughs> yes, it is sort of, it's sort of, you know, picking at the little things. But, I mean, it is a good point to watch when it comes to this game. Um, I want to ask you too about LSU's run game. You know, a guy that Georgia fans will remember, John Emory, who was a one-time Georgia commit. Um, what what have you seen from the running backs specifically, and and maybe their strengths or or things that um, you know, just really more the state of their run game coming into this game?
1: It's not really a. Like John Emery might be the third back right now, which is crazy to think. It's just he's uh, very good in the run game. He fumbles way too often. He has he's had some really bad turnover issues the past couple weeks, but he's dynamic whenever he's on. Um, Of course, he hasn't been playing for the past two years. So he, uh, you know, it's getting back up to speed. I think the big breakout star and the guy who is supposed to be returning is Josh Williams, former walk on. Who uh, came to LSU because he knew he could fight his way into the roster, and then he became the 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 grinded out guy. He he'll fight for extra yards. He'll block. Um, I remember talking to him after his first game where he scored a touchdown. I was like, "How it felt?" And he was like, "Yeah, I just set myself up for the opportunity by blocking." And he like he's like that kind of like workhorse, and he will fight. He will not. He'll carry people, and it's it's fun to watch. It's not, it's not a flashy run game. But uh, it's kind of like a grind, grind you down, run game, and then really Jaden Daniels is the uh, okay. We've worn you down now. I'm gonna run by you, kind of, kind of back in that system. He, I mean, he leads the team in rushing yards. So, tell me too about the receivers
0: um, who who has sort of stood out and uh, what they bring to the table when it comes to the
1: passing game. Well, the name is Keishawn Booty. Um, he is like the name, but I would don't think he hasn't had a great year i don't think it's 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 not a it's not a secret uh he hasn't been that great um but it's not really all his fault i'll I'll say this right now he's not a diva he's not like throwing a hissy face, not a locker room cancer that some people tried to paint him as throughout the year. He's a great dude. He's a great, uh, great leader, great player. Um, It just hasn't been on the season for him and uh, he'll, he'll figure it out at the next level, next level. But in terms of like a number one guy, it's Malik neighbors, number eight. Uh, He and Jaden really have that, that chemistry of all right, I need to play. I'm going to, to neighbors. And he kind of set himself up apart in camp. Whenever I was there, like we kept keeping, keeping track. I don't think he lost a single rep in, in camp. Like he was just on, on one from the beginning. And he kind of set himself up at the end of last year, but really, yeah, it's Malik neighbors is the, is the name to know Jack bash is kind of like the slot. Um, Tom Brady type receiver, if that makes any sense <laughs> um and then uh and and then Brian Thomas jr's like the big body guy he's like six four um fast uh not burner speed, but can get separation, so I don't think this receiving uh receiver room has lived up to any of the expectations which is a little disappointing, but they've had some drop issues, but it's still a very talented group that can, that can win games for sure.
0: Switching to the other side of the ball. Got to start with Harold Perkins. He may be Damn, yeah. one, one of the most talked about guys in the entire sec. What
1: makes him so special and what makes him so disruptive on defense? It's well right now it is just pure athleticism. He is he will hit Stetson Bennett multiple times throughout the game. I don't don't care who you have blocking him, he will get there. Um and it's just because he's faster than everybody. If anybody watched the uh the LSU Arkansas game, they they Malik Hornsby had to play and they kept preaching, oh well Malik Hornsby has track speed. And of course that's the game that Uh, Harold Perkins tracked him down four times, five times, but they didn't give him one of them uh, for some reason. Uh, But yeah, and it's even like he'll get knocked down and then get back up and still have time to make the play just because of how fast he is. He's just a game breaker who plays with a lot of confidence and a lot of speed. He is not always going to be an edge rusher. He'll eventually become more of like an off ball uh, middle linebacker type. That's what he was uh, recruited to be. But Matt house's defense is a little bit more complicated for the linebackers. They have to do a lot and just where he is as a true freshman, they can't keep him off the field, obviously, but he's not capable of running that linebacker but they linebackers pretty much call in all the plays, do everything, get everybody set in the Matt house defense. So that's just not he's just not there yet. But uh, whenever he whenever he adds the football IQ to the pure game wrecking athleticism, he's going to be the best player in the country, probably. And that's not uh, That's not an understanding. Like, he's all he's one of the best players in the country right now. And he's just going out there and going after the quarterback. Like He just sees the quarterback and go. And that's all they really tell him to do. Yeah, I mean, the potential is incredible just because of what he's
0: been able to do as a true freshman there's no denying that um i want to ask you about another defender a guy that is a familiar name to georgia fans and it's BJ jolari <laughs> whose brother aziz played at georgia a very successful career as a bulldog what has he been able to bring to this team this year and and uh, you know where do you feel like he is coming into this
1: game he is, he's had about the year we've pretty much expected. He makes a lot of plays. Um, he's very good uh, in the pass rush. I'd say uh, there are better run defenders on the team, uh, but Ojalari is, uh, is a good leader and he is, he has really nice uh, pass rushing moves. Uh, so he, he's more of like an athletic pass rusher. So if maybe one of your tackles struggles against the athletic moves, as opposed to the power moves, that's where BJ will, will come in. He'll get the spin moves. He'll get the swim moves. Um, and then on the other side, again, Harold Perkins pulling off Von Miller pass rush moves, which is just absurd. So I'd say the pass rush is more of like a speed and finesse kind of thing for LSU. While their run defense, they have a couple of maulers like Ali Gay, Makai Wingo is the name that everyone should know. I mean, he played he played for Missouri, so Georgia's seen him before. Um but he has—he's on a different level this year. So th- that entire front, LSU has a pretty good run defense up front. So uh, Georgia running up the middle may have a little bit—may uh, have a little bit of an issue. But running to the outside is where LSU's kind of been in a little bit of a weaker area on this defensive front.
0: Before we go to a break, Dylan, who are some of the other defenders that have stood out this year or just names for
1: Georgia fans to keep an eye on when we get into this game Saturday? Um, Jay Ward, whether he's playing, uh, if he if he moves back into the nickel, is one of the best nickel corners LSU's had in a while. He's very active in the run game um, and pretty good uh, pass coverage in the nickel. And then I'd go uh, Micah Baskerville, linebacker, number twenty-three. He is the all-around good run defender, good pass rusher, and really good in coverage. He's like there. He's like the guy who um, he's the returning leading tackler. I'm pretty sure he's he's probably leading the team in tackles again this year. He just makes plays. Uh, and if there's anybody like in the middle of the field that's going to pick off a pass, it's probably going to be Micah Baskerville.
0: We're going to go to a quick break. We're going to come back, talk a little bit specifics about this game on Saturday, matchups, and and what we expect to see. But first, we're going to take a break. Welcome back, everybody. Well, Dylan, before we talk about Saturday, I want to go back to last Saturday. Saturday, LSU loses to Texas A and M, thirty eight twenty three. What set out the most to you about what caused that loss? What went wrong for LSU in that final game of the regular season?
1: Well, what kind of went wrong, I think we kind of have to go before the game. And this has kind of been an issue with the team. Um, if there if there are two things that are that are uh, you can point to from according to Coach Kelly, from the Texas A&M loss and the Tennessee loss is the practice week leading up to it. Uh, there are guys disengaged, not into it. Um and it's really all about focus because this team, the LSU team has more. Everyone's like, Oh, nine and three, like, Oh, great job. This, this team has the talent to be better. It's just more about getting all of it together. And in, in one year was impressive, but the talents there. And if everybody's playing at the top of their game with the top of their focus, um, like once one stat, like between Tennessee week, in Alabama week, there were like two players that ran over 20 miles per hour. And then uh, before Alabama, they were like 15 or 16. And that's like two weeks. It's all about effort. And it's really about if they bring the effort into the game, I think LSU can make some noise in this one. Because whenever they're playing uh, at, their, at their peak it's a really, really good team, really, really scary team. But it's about if they can come back from that Tennessee loss mentally. Um, I mean the Texas AM loss mentally, which talking to them, it sounds like they have. It's they're they're mad. The team's mad that they they know what they let slip by with that loss, a, a potential playoff appearance, and they want to get that back. They wanna not get back into the playoffs. That's not possible, but they want to. Get some of that shine back. They want to win. They want to go out on a on a high note. So they're hungry for this game, which is, I think, good news for LSU fans yeah. and potential scary news for for Georgia fans. But uh, if Georgia's not uh, approaching this because they're already locked in the playoff, maybe if they're not coming in with the top mindset, but who knows if that's an issue. But uh, I think that's the biggest issue is an effort thing, which which is really what scared them for Texas a and
0: It will be interesting from Georgia's perspective because they've already come into a game and and this was obviously not to the level of LSU getting knocked out of a potential playoff berth, but going to that Kentucky game, they went to Kentucky after Kentucky lost to Vanderbilt. And I think you did kind of see a little bit of that fire. You saw Will Levis play pretty well and and Barry and Brown made a few plays. So it is interesting that there is another matchup, albeit a lot more stakes in this game (laughs) compared to going up and playing at Kentucky, um, when we look at this game, uh, Dylan, what what is your biggest question or questions about Georgia? I'll see if I can kind of give you a little bit of insight. Anything that really um, kind of intrigues you about what Georgia has done to this point in the year? Well,
1: you you see, I was you know looking through the metrics. We write a piece on like the metrics of the teams and every stuff like that, and I see a lot of a drop off in like tackles for a loss and sacks, but the team is just as dominant. What, what, how is it, how has it shifted from last year to this year?
0: You know, I think the biggest thing, and it's so cliche, but there's been a lot of bend don't break. I mean, there have been drives where you've seen teams be able to get the ball at least near the red zone and Georgia's just locked down. And, you know, this, even these past few years, even last year's team, not big on creating a lot of turnovers, but it's more of just being able to get those stops when they need them. And, yeah, you know, they've had their back against the wall a few times, and I even think about early in that Tennessee game, Tennessee gets the ball after a Georgia fumble in like the 40, and they just held tight. You know, I think it's a, a defense that they don't have crazy sack numbers. They, they've kind of gone up and down. They started really slow as far as creating pressure that led to sacks, had some good games against Florida and Tennessee as well, and then it's kind of been a little bit quieter. But it's just hard to kind of describe the defense other than just – You know, they they find ways to get teams off the field. They find ways to maybe give a little here and there. And, you know, they've given up yardage. And um, and that Kentucky game, too, Kentucky had some long drives. But um, for whatever reason, whatever trait it is that this defense has, they just find the way to get people off the field um, when it comes to either trying to score touchdowns. Or there's been several situations where they forced long field goals and they
1: didn't work out and kind of changed the momentum of the entire game. I mean, well, if there's ever a chance to do it, LSU, of course, the big storyline, they do have two true, true freshmen at, at tackles, uh, which, the, I mean, not to like say they're playing at an all-freshman level, uh, all, all-American all level or anything, but for two, two, two true freshmen, they've played very, very well. And uh, they, but they're gettable. The, the tackles are definitely, they're not locked down. They're not perfect. LSU has one of the higher sack numbers, uh, but I think more of that has played into how Jaden Daniels plays. Than the uh, than the offensive line itself because Jaden Davis will have time throughout the game they'll they'll give him time it's uh, just about how long it takes him to throw the ball because sometimes he holds on to it a little bit a little bit more and that that creates sacks more than the pressure initially
0: yes that'll definitely be something to watch on Saturday and I'll be interested just to see how Georgia plays him I mean you know I, I could see their nickelback Javon Bullard if he spies him some just sort of the strategy behind trying to affect him. Um, When you look at this game from the LSU perspective on Saturday, what is the most important matchup or matchups to you? What what areas of this game do LSU need to win in order
1: to have a chance to pull an upset? I think that LSU uh, and LSU has to get the run game going. What kind of what kind of if you look back a misleading stat is the time of possession between LSU and Texas A&M, they had pretty similar time of possession, but it was the Texas A&M possessions that controlled the pace of the game. And I think that's kind of what LSU needs to adopt into their own. They need to, to set the runs. They, their, their team, they're good at sustaining long drives. They had like 14 straight 70 plus scoring drives at one point in this season. Um, so they, they can sustain long drives. It's all about executing that, getting the run game going, getting Josh Williams and Jay and Daniels going. And I think if they can, uh, on offense, if they can control the pace of the game and continuously march down the field, um, that is obviously a very good sign. And then on defense, I think it's about covering, uh, the millions of options that Stetson Bennett has, uh, because I think they'll they'll create pressure for for Bennett. I don't have uh I don't have a problem believing that, but there are just so many options and LSU. If Jarek Bernard Converse, uh, we talked about Jane and not my, maybe not playing. Jarek Bernard Converse is arguably just as big of a question mark uh, starting cornerback for LSU. Um, they looked lost without him, and they had to move around some players. They had to move a uh, sophomore into the nickel corner, which is where Texas A&M got all of their big plays from is targeting him. Um, and then Jay Ward had to move out to the boundary. So if Jarek Bernard Converse comes back, it becomes more of a, uh, a little bit more comfortable, but the secondary is, has been very gettable for LSU this year. So if they need, they need to lock down and keep the four or five options that said to Bennett will have, uh, slowed down a little bit. Um, and I think that they've been pretty good at stopping the run this year. LSU has outside of Devon, a chain um, who just had one of the best games I've seen in a long time. Uh, but outside of that, they're they've been really good at stopping lead backs like Quinchon Judkins or Rocket Sanders, like they were preached going to this game, how they were going to run the game. And then both of those guys finished like 16 rushes for 40 yards or something like that. So they they have the ability to stop the run. Um, Makai Wingo is one of the best run defenders in the country, uh, at least graded out wise. He is he was number one in the SEC for a while. Um, in top five in the country, like in run defense. So he's been really good. He'll be very important. But yeah, it's, it's all about controlling the pace of the game for LSU. I think that's something that they have to do.
0: Looking at this game, how do you see it playing out? If you feel like giving a score prediction, feel free. If not, I know sometimes riders are a little bit uh, want to keep that in their pocket, maybe put that up uh, on the board a little bit later.
1: Um, I think. The most likely outcome is that it LSU goes down quickly and then is struggling and fighting and clawing to get back. And I think they might, but I, I do expect Georgia to win this one. It would be pretty shocking to me to see LSU win. Um, not that they can't, they have the talent too. And um, I think they'll make it interesting at one point, but with the slow starts of this team, and i think georgia's just too good to it's kind of what you saw in tennessee they fought back with tennessee but they went down super super early and it is just too much uh, too much of a talent level to to claw your way back from so i'm going to go i'm going to go 42 to 30 georgia hey lsu would cover in that situation <laughs> so some
0: people would be happy with that for sure i'm going to say georgia wins this one 34-14 I think it's going to be a close first half, and and credit to Georgia. Some of the last few games of the season, a little bit lackluster. Kentucky, Georgia Tech, nothing fancy, but they finish fairly strong. So I think Georgia's going to win this one by 20. Um, Punch that ticket for that number one spot in the college football playoff, which uh, a lot of fans, I'm sure, in Atlanta are going to be very excited about. So we're going to wrap this up. Uh, Dylan, thanks so much for popping on. Uh, Plug anything you guys have going on this week as you all get ready uh, for this big game on Saturday.
1: Yeah, go to four, seven. We are, we're doing a bunch of recruiting right now. Uh, So if there are any recruits um, and then we'll be doing game, game previews throughout the week, we will have a podcast coming out later this week. If you want a more focused LSU perspective Um, and then, yeah, it's, it's just, I'll see y'all on Saturday and follow me on Twitter at Dilly Sanders dilly like the uh like the beer commercial
0: <laughs> love it and hey also shout out for the Luis hat you
1: got to bring out some Bob's bobsburg oh yes yes this is my favorite hat i got it when i was working at gamestop and it was when it went uh out so i got it for free and i have worn it ever since fantastic well we're gonna wrap this episode up thanks so much to dylan
0: for popping on thanks for everybody who watched this live listened to it live and everybody listening to it after the fact be sure to keep an eye out Uh, for more content that we'll have throughout this week and keep an eye out on Saturday when we uh, get a chance to be there in Atlanta and talk about this game as it happens. So uh, we're going to finish up there. Thanks again to Dylan. Thanks for everybody watching until next time. Take care.